Hey, hello, what's up, and how you doing? Welcome into this week's episode of The Geek Garage, where we are going back to the movies. Unfortunately, not for real, since everything is still unfortunately closed. Uh, suck it, coronavirus. <laughs> Basically. Uh, this week, we will be covering the last of our first watches. What a strange sentence that was. Uh, where David had me watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo from 2011, directed by David Fincher. And I had him watch Escape from New York from 1981, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, as we said before, these are uh, the first times that either of us have watched the other's picks. So this is the first time I watched Girl with Dragon Tattoo. This is the first time that David watched Escape from New York. We will begin by giving each a bit of a spoiler-free plot summary. We're not going to hit every plot point, obviously, because we're going to avoid the spoilers. Uh, and then we'll dive into some more details that will have spoilers, most likely. So um, we'll put a flyer, so to speak, up there. So that when we start getting into spoiler territory, you will know. But the first part of the podcast should be pretty spoiler-free. If you've never seen either one of these movies, you should be safe to listen to it if you're interested in eventually watching them. Yep. But before we get into that, a couple things to cover. First, allow me to introduce show founder and uh, the guy that's always there for some reason, David. How are you, David? I, oh, I'm good. How are you? I was better before that, but what are you going to do? Uh... <laughs> I am not known for my my impersonations, my impressions. Uh, so that was like Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog and like all those other really nasally, wheezy comedians and comics. That sounds like over. Ray Romano and Kermit the Frog having violent sex on cocaine. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Are you? <laughs> let's, let's just push forward, all right? Ever forward. Uh <laughs> And of course, as always, an update on some of the goings-on that the podcast is involved in. And unfortunately, this there, week... There, there are none. There are pretty much... They're all bad. <laughs> um, almost all of the events that we'd hoped to be a part of have been postponed. That includes EvilCon, which the news for that just came down earlier this week. It has been postponed until 2021. Very sad to hear about that. They held out as long as they could, but <laughs> I understand why they did it, and, and, and I respect that they, they made the decision. Uh, MomoCon has also been postponed again until 2021. National Comic Con also postponed until 2021. You'll notice a recurring theme. Uh, MTAC has been postponed and not yet rescheduled. Would you like to take a bet that it will be to 2021? I will take that bet. Yes, that is a sucker bet, as they say. And finally, AkaiaCon, which thankfully so far is still set for July 24th to 26th. But we'll um, see. Hopefully that goes off without a hitch and also can be held safely that's yes. of course the number one thing you know mm -hmm. i know that uh, a lot of us want to get out there and and uh interact and have a little talk bit to of people a, yeah have some social gathering for a change but uh yes. you know the big thing is making sure that we can do so safely so you know if you're interested in you're in the middle tennessee area or close to it if you're interested in the kaikon you can find them on facebook to get better updates than our weekly ones we do mm -hmm. hope to see everyone there if it goes off without a hitch and can do so safely otherwise We'll see you next time. Um, coming up on the website, we have a new blog that we're going to be starting eventually, I promise, called Comic <laughs> Corner. Uh, it's essentially going to be a blog post in lieu of an episode about comics that uh, David and I, or David or I, I should say, have read and enjoyed. Um, I know he and I have talked about that before uh, on the podcast and off. David, what uh, have you decided on what your first post is going to be about? Yeah, I actually started writing it late last week, and my first pick uh, is going to be Nightfall, Batman, Nightfall, Volume 1. Nice. Uh, 
Yes, the Thank infamous backbreaker Batman tale. Yeah. And yes, I we talked about it a little bit, I believe, on the the Batman episode, just the all things Batman, where we celebrated 50 episodes and celebrated appropriately with Batman. I don't know why that's appropriate. Anyways, yeah, that's that's my first pick. Ted, have you nailed down your your first? Uh, yes, I actually have, and I started it. Um, started writing that post sun Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday. All the days are running together. None Sunday, of it Sunday, we're all, Sunday. We're all uh, moving ever forward to oblivion. Yes. Uh, yeah. So my accurate. first pick is going to be the Punisher Max. Yeah. Um, by Garth Enos and uh, cadre of different artists, all of them crazy talented uh it's it's my favorite punisher run and honestly one of my favorite comics maybe my favorite comic run uh ever so very excited to write about that yeah that's that's saying a lot because you've read a lot so i have a yeah i have a lot of them uh but i'm very excited about that Mm -hmm. um not for the squeamish that book (laughs) (laughs) yes it is in fact the punisher yes and also from the max imprint but uh Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I uh, hope to get that published here in the next couple of weeks. As always, we have other lives going, uh, other things going on in life. Yeah. We have our second fan assessment of the year coming up, uh, our second quarter fan assessment, which will have a lot of the same or similar questions as the first one, but we encourage everyone to check it out, particularly if you did not uh, respond to the first one. We know who you are. <laughs> Actually, we we don't. We just we only know the ones that did fill it out. But yes. we can do uh, deductive reasoning and math. Yes. Uh, actually, I can't do either of those, so I'm going to pawn it off on Ted. Well, well, so, well, we will figure it out. How's that? <laughs> yes, we, we will figure it out. But either way, yeah, look out for the fan assessment. It will be hitting the social media airwaves, as the kids say, and you can find it. Fill it out. Put your name and email address, and you will be entered to win a free T-shirt from the Geek Garage merch store. Yes, a free which, T-shirt of your choice. Yes, uh, you can. You can even pick if you so choose. If you would like the ultra soft fabric that is provided by Threadless, uh, let me tell you, I, I I bought one of these shirts, and holy hell, is it soft! Uh, both both the super soft and the 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 tri blend are just it, it's like it's like wearing feathers on your chest it's it's so luxurious that sounds terrible actually but uh okay <laughs> moving right along uh speaking of social media that was called segue we do have the new facebook group uh fans yep. of the geek garage podcast where people actually talk because it turns out if you make something that people are allowed to talk in they'll fucking talk in it what a concept <laughs> yes uh, but check that out. We throw some polls up there from time to time uh, that get all the nerds up in a tizzy, as they say. And uh, we got some good debates going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe David will pass on to you my opinion of your opinions, which are all terrible and wrong. Uh, <laughs> but that's not here or there. Also on the Facebook group, we have done things like asking for episode suggestions, thanking everyone that participates, because we do surprisingly have people that care to participate, which, thank you, but also why. Uh, And finally, (laughs) we're taking all suggestions into serious consideration, and again, we do thank you um, to the listeners and to everyone that has offered suggestions or voted in the polls or explained why their opinions are good, even though they're wrong, because their opinions are bad. So, with all that out of the way, uh, it's now time to talk about the two movies. 
right after uh, this. This, yeah, yeah, this. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. So, uh, first off, David, we're going to be covering Escape from New York. We are. Uh, quick synopsis, without spoilers. Uh, Kurt Russell stars as Snake Plissken, uh, General Badass. Yes. Uh, who is tasked with going into New York, which has been uh, converted into the maximum security prison. Uh, yes. The most maximum security prison, in fact, where the island of Manhattan has become a giant prison. For those of you who have played Batman Arkham City, imagine that except good. I'm kidding. I love that game. Uh, imagine that except 30 years ago with Kurt Russell, and you're you're pretty pretty close. Um, because it's a movie, shit goes bad. <laughs> but it's Kurt Russell, so it rules. Uh, right. It's also John Carpenter, so it rules. There's basically nothing about this movie that doesn't rule. Uh, I don't know if I can stress that enough. There is the spoiler-free synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, from here on out, spoilers are open and on the table. In fact, they are. In fact, they are. So, yes. Uh, David, simple question to lead it off. What did you think? So, first of all, I felt a little guilty because my movie pick for you was like twice as long as this one was for me. Like, I was able to watch it twice, uh, like back to back in two days, like no problem. Like, I, I watched it once and... I didn't want to have the same issue with it man where I, I was only able to watch it once and only give a certain piece of my mind to it because I didn't have a, have the chance to watch it again. So I kind of took advantage of that opportunity where it was only about 90 minutes long and rewatched it today, but for the podcast and I'll jump right from that saying I enjoyed it. Like I, I legit yeah. re- really liked it. That's good because it's yeah. an awesome movie. I feel like yeah. I have not said that enough, so I'm going to continue <laughs> to say it. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I understand why you and so many other people really, really like it and enjoy it. Uh, John Carpenter is still, in fact, the man. Yeah, uh, I know that we've covered him pretty extensively on the podcast in the past, um, which is as basically been the thing that I've influenced the most is the fact that, Hey, let's do another John Carpenter episode. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. Uh, But, but yeah, ultimately I, I feel like I would appreciate the movie more if I saw it when I was younger, it just had that quintessential eighties feel where I was like, damn it. Like, I love this movie, but I bet I love it even more if I saw it at that primitive like age, like right at like 12 or 13 years old where you're Mm. like, oh, fuck, like I want to be Kurt Russell. I I want his like eye patch and I want his like flowy hair and his awesome like leather jacket. Like I want to be fucking Kurt Russell. And that's the uh, right uh, reaction to this film. Yes. (laughs) So uh, and, and I'm not just saying that because I'm fucking bald. So. So, yeah, I. So there's, there's that, I I guess it's a little bit of a caveat, but 
ultimately overall, like I, I really liked it obviously enough to, to where I, I wanted to watch it a second time. And yeah. And and so, yeah, I mean, without getting into like super specifics yet, uh, yeah, just those are my overall thoughts. Like I, I liked it. I, I thought that a lot of it held up really well. The fact that they shot like on location instead of just like sound stages and the, the, um, the, the splicing together of like the landscape shots of the, the choppers and everything like flying either into or out of Manhattan, um, you know, where they had like the, uh, where they created, I, I don't know if that's like supposed to be the Hudson or, or what, but had that. And then, you know, you could see part of the wall that blocks off Manhattan and then Manhattan itself. Uh, just the way that I was, that was all put together. I was like, God damn, that still looks really good. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's because like, it wasn't done 100% by 1981 computer software, which uh, probably wasn't capable of no. generation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you, to, to kind of backpedal a little bit, I think you raised a good point with the, uh, the bit you mentioned about appreciating it more if you saw it when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And um, I think part of that is probably because this type of movie has really like this, as with many of Carpenter's films, this was super influential. So that right. like bleak, hard sci-fi um, aspect of this has been done a lot since mm-hmm. 1981. Right. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, it's kind of boring now because it's just been done so many times. Right. Yeah. We've we've actually talked about this a, a few times recently where we'll be discussing movies of this caliber, but were released during this time period. And, and like so many more modern and contemporary films have have i guess aped the 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 whole overarching theme and feel and look of these old 80s movies and so now you you you're so used to seeing it in these new movies you go back and watch the old ones and you're like i, I feel like i've kind of seen this already yeah uh, i still i still think that this film and and really carpenter in general pull it off better than any of the other films that ate from it. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of that may be because it's like, I saw this when I was like 13, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, it stuck with me because it hit me right at that impression blade you talked about. Right. Um, or it could just be that Carpenter's like way underrated as a director. Um, mm-hmm. I know I kind of believe both of those things, but it, it's super, it's not super relevant to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I love this movie. Uh, Jared Carpenter is probably my favorite director. Um, it, it's hard to say he's not because I think I've watched his movies more than I've watched any other directors. Um, so I, I feel like just based on that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are probably directors that are more technically proficient, but in terms of sheer enjoyment, there's not really anybody that's fucking with him, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He he is the master of this and his craft. It's, I mean, it just what he does, he he just does so well. And yeah, it's it's always a treat getting to watch his movies, regardless of whether it's you know when you're 13 or now when you can appreciate film a little bit more and and pick apart certain things 
and, and analyze it on a level that you can't do when you're a little bit younger. So, right. you know, I, I, I don't want to say that like, you know, I, I, I didn't really enjoy it because, you know, I'm old as fuck now. Uh, I, you know, that's cause that's definitely not the case. Uh, so yeah, I, at least now, you know, knowing or having a little bit more knowledge of film theory to sound like a pompous ass, I, I can, like I said, dissect it a little bit more and, and look at certain pieces and, uh, and, and what have you. So, so yeah. All right. So, um, what, um, t- talk about some of your favorite scenes or favorite moments from the film. Sure. So, I kind of saw this going down pretty terribly before it it happened. But <clears throat> towards the beginning, when the president uh, shoots out of Air Force One in his little escape pod, crashes into somewhere in Manhattan. I, I, I forget exactly where. So when the initial attempt to rescue the president... Uh, by uh, is it Hawk or Hauk? Uh, I honestly can't remember. I, I think I, I think it's Hauk. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Either way, he him and his you know big old you know team of army dudes they go in trying to look for the president and Romero this meth dealt Billy Idol looking motherfucker comes <laughs> out. Uh. It, it's literally like if you took Billy Idol and said, "All right." you have to live in Manhattan now, but the only people that live there are like the world's worst prisoners or, or, or convicts and, and good luck. And by the way, you have to file your teeth into like fangs. Um, so uh, he, he's like one of my favorite characters and he doesn't even have like a big part, but I mean, he's, he's just kind of hysterical. And, and so that's, that was one of uh one of my favorite parts is just like, all of them showing up with like all their gusto and this one single dude comes out of like the shadows and he's like, uh, yeah, we have the president. Um, if you don't leave in 30 seconds, we're going to fucking kill this guy. And he's like, all right, I'm ready to talk. And he's like 29. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I do well, love that. Or he's just yeah. like completely not fucking around at all. Right. And, and then Houck's like, okay, cutting more straight to the point. He's like, what do you want? And he's like 26, 25. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then they, you know, scurry off and they have to resort to hiring um, Mr. Mr. Snake to go get the president. Also like the, during the whole movie, I was like, snake, 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 mm-hmm. like from Metal Gear Solid. I was yeah. like, snake. <laughs> yeah. I, Kojima, uh, Hideo Kojima, creator of Metal Gear mythos and, and games. Uh, he very clearly took a lot of inspiration from, from this film as well as a lot of others. Right. Um, but definitely, I mean, it's very clear that he was heavily inspired by this one. Right. I was never a, uh, a player of Metal Gear Solid. I, I had friends that played and, and so I got to watch them play. So yeah, I remember the, the eye patch, the, the long flowy hair, the, the very gritty look. And, I, and so I'm watching this and I was like, okay, it's not just the name that matches. Like it's the look too. Like what the hell's going on here? Uh, yeah. Uh, the first Metal Gear came out in the eighties uh, for the, for the, original right. NES. So it, it was a bit more 
of the time, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, as the graphics got better and the consoles got better, it just became more obvious. It's like, oh, shit, he was not fucking around. It's literally Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I I love pretty much everything in between hiring Kurt Russell as Snake Plissken him going in to rescue the president, that whole journey and and whatnot. But probably my favorite is the battle between him and oh, what, what, what's the dude's name? It's just like, he just has one name and he's like some big ass dude in like a leather diaper. And they, they first battle with bats. And then after round one, they battle with bats with nails uh, and that is hard as fuck. It's true. That is hard as fuck. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, well this escalated quickly. <laughs> like, like not only did they, they capture snake, but they're going to make him fight this huge dude. Um, and he, you know, he, he gives him the all one, two to the back of the noggin and everyone's like, oh shit, he beat them. And they were like, snake, snake, snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking hilarious but it, i mean in the most awesome way possible um and uh another part that i okay so it feels weird saying that this was like a, a favorite part of mine or i enjoyed this but i guess it, it's i i liked it from a, a practical effects point of view and you know we've discussed at length john carpenter's dedication to practical effects and when right after brain like i think he steps on a landmine and and he you know basically gets blown up he shoots in the air comes lands on a car and and maggie i guess i i I guess they're they're friends I, i don't know but you know she's she's pretty you know tore up from the floor up that he's pretty much dead and so she gets really pissed at Duke because, I mean, this is all his fucking fault. Let's, you know, let's let's get down to brass tacks here. And, you know, they all see him coming down the, the bridge. And so she's like, you know what? Y'all go ahead. I'm going to just shoot at this fucker as he charges towards me. So, you know, they get going and, uh, you know, she shoots at this dude and he fucking wrecks her shit like just plows into her and i was like holy shit yeah and like the way yeah and the way that they made that look like was fantastic like i mean it yeah i i I don't know what kind of trickery they use to to you know cut and uh, you know i guess use a I don't know, a mannequin or some sort of like fake person stand in. No, they literally just murdered Adrian Barbo. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was her, uh, that was her claim to fame. Yeah. Getting, getting hit by a car, going out, going out, taking one for the team. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, that, that was, I mean, like I said, it, it felt kind of weird to say like, yeah, that was awesome. Like, you know, watching someone it's, get hit by a car. It's a great shot though. It, it's yeah. a great, great shot. Right. Yeah. And the very end when Hauk offers, uh, he not only, you know, they not only pardon him, let him go free from prison, but he, he offers him a job. I forget exactly what the title was, but you know, he's like, I, I want to offer you a job. You know, you want to come work for me. And, um, 
but before he does that, he's like, you got to kill me now, snake. Cause like at the very beginning when they, you know, meet and, uh, the, you know, they're about to bid farewell, you know, for now he's like, you know, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. And, and so, you know, they, they see each other again at the very end. He's like, you got to kill me now, snake. And he just replies, I'm too tired. Maybe later. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there's so many great, great, great snake lines in this movie right yeah um, that that one's a great one uh particularly that one's a great one but, but what are some of the other like good one-liners that you know of because i mean there's there's a few uh that i remember but you ha- also have seen this movie a few more times than i have there's a there's a good one where one of the um one of the women in the movie calls him a cop and, and pliskin says no i'm an asshole <laughs> That's a fucking phenomenal one. God, I'm going to use that. Um, he's talking to Hulk and he's and Hulk says, you know, once you're inside, you're on your own. Snake says, oh, you mean I can't count on you? To which Hulk replies, no. And just goes, good. Yeah, and he just like clicks him off. He's like, good. Yeah. yeah. When Hulk, uh, Hulk is first telling him about what's happening, he said, there's an accident. The president was down in New York. And Snake just goes, the president of what? <laughs> he does not... He just does not give a fuck, right. um, which is not only a great, um, great one-liner, but also shows, uh, you know, it tells you a lot about the character with just a simple line of dialogue. So, yeah, um, it's great. Yeah. Instead of uh, the ye old exposition dump, you get basically the his entire character in the span of like three minutes. And yeah fantastic and there's some definite exposition dump you know where they they do sure. the background on him but i i think as effective are are some of the one-liners and just some of the mannerisms where he just clearly is like don't care fuck you right yeah for sure that's pretty much all that i had is there anything that you would like to touch on before we push forward um if you haven't seen this movie you're not living correctly <laughs> basically well thankfully i have now seen this movie so i can therefore live correctly you know we don't want to do too deep of a dive into it and just make the whole episode about um you know about this but this is one of carpenter's best movies um it's in the top three easily and you can go around in circles making arguments about which one of his films is the best one Mm -hmm. um this would be a solid choice for me it's probably number two maybe number three and have to really really think about it um i don't think it's as good as the thing but i mean i also Mm -hmm. think that the thing is one of the best movies ever put to film so i mean it's yeah i uh it it, this definitely didn't beat out the thing for me i mean as as far as all the john carpenter films that i have seen thus far i I mean halloween and the thing are pretty close but i feel like the thing as of right now is the leader but uh yeah i mean this movie is great i I definitely encourage everybody to check it out um i don't know if it's available to stream anywhere yes it's yeah uh as of right now it is available on amazon prime for free oh dope uh yeah Yeah, so if you have a uh a prime account with ye old or lord amazon uh you can watch (laughs) it for free yeah Uh, Uh, or you can probably find the dvd for like next to nothing Right. Yeah. Uh, one, one last thing I wanted to throw out. So this was pretty coincidental, but a, a good friend of mine, uh, my, my friend Megan, uh, she's also a coworker. 
she gave me this awesome movies book. It's just a list uh, of top 10 or it's just a, a bunch of top 10 lists from movies and it's all in alphabetical order. So the very first one is the top 10 list of anti-heroes and funny enough, the number one in that list was Snake Plissken from Escape from New York. Yeah, I agree. As I texted you when you told me that, that is the correct answer. <laughs> yes, it is in fact the correct answer. So, yeah, that was that was a fun little, uh, um, little fun accident. Uh, and and also, thank you, Megan. I you probably not listening because you are smart and avoid our podcast. Uh, but if you happen to be listening, uh, I once again appreciate the book. So thank you. Uh, so yeah, Ted, you want to push forward with the girl with the dragon tattoo, U.S. version? Sure. Cool. So short synopsis, no spoilers. Once again, the girl with the dragon tattoo, U.S. version from 2011 by David Fincher. It is a thrilling tale based off of the late Stieg Larsson's novel of the same name. It follows journalist Michael Bloomquist and PI slash computer hacker Lisbeth Salander, both independently and together. Bloomquist independently deals with the blowback slash consequences of his libel lawsuits that he filed against businessman Hans Eric Venerstrom with uh, Elizabeth Salander. In the beginning of the movie, she is dealing with her new state-appointed guardian who, uh, after her current state-appointed guardian, suffers a stroke. She's been a ward of the state for basically ever, almost, um, since her early teens, I believe, according to the movie. And when they're, these, uh, they're, two paths finally cross they end up teaming up to solve a cold case of harriet vanger who has been missing for over 40 years she uh, basically has been presumed dead since they never found her initially michael bloomquist is hired by henrik vanger he is played by christopher Plummer. shortly after hiring uh bloomquist he seeks the help of Elizabeth. He's like, Hey, I need an assistant. And he's like, I got one for you. Uh, she did the background check on you. And he's like, uh, fucking excuse me. What? Um, so yes, it, it, that's basically all the information that I can give you. That is spoiler free. Ted, would you like to jump into official spoiler territory? Yes. Cool beans. What did you think? Yeah, uh, I liked it a lot. It's very clearly a Fincher movie. That's not a knock by, you know, uh, in any way. Just to say that he definitely has his own sort of signature style. He does things sort of his own uh, own kind of way. It's very recognizably his type of film. Right. Um, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit, I'm sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's uh, it's a great mystery, which I'm, I'm a sucker for mysteries. Um, you know, so I, I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. Cool. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, do uh, I, I do have a few questions lined up for you? Uh, nothing too comprehensive, just a couple of quick ones. So would would you like to get to those now or would do you want to get to some of your, your favorite parts of the film? No, you or? can uh, you can go ahead with the questions. That's fine. Okay. I'm curious, were you able to guess the ending? Because I was not. <laughs> uh, I, you are 
a lot smarter than I am or as you're you can you can like seek out little things and 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 guess a little bit better than I can. Uh, so I was curious to see if you were able to guess any parts of of the ending. I had a pretty good idea. It was Martin, only because Stone Skarsgård was the only uh, other name in the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I mean, you know, at a certain point, it's kind of it's it's not going to be the random Swedish actor that they hired. You know what I mean? It's right. going to be a named, uh, pretty well known, or at least somewhat well known. Uh, actor or actress so i i had a good idea about that um i I also kind of figured that um she was she had assumed the identity of of the dead relative and was living it in london Mm -hmm. um but i was like no that's too cute they're not gonna do that and then they did it i was like oh you bastards (laughs) (laughs) i want to oh sorry go ahead no, no, go ahead. Uh, I want to say it plays out a little bit differently in the book. It's It's been a while since I read the book. I actually read it leading up to... I think I finished it like the day before the movie came out, back in 2011, 2012, whenever, whenever it was. And uh, so I wanted to be that, that pompous ass that said, like, hmm, I read the book first. And... Uh, I remember the the ending that that big reveal of her still being alive and assuming someone else's identity that played out a little bit differently. I can't remember what the the details were, but I do know that it was it's a little bit different in the book. But yeah, I I didn't take too many too much issue with with how it played out in the movie. Um, I still thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I don't think it was done in, in as kind of eye rolly of a fashion as similar twists have been done in other films where mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, gotcha. You know, right. uh, the way that it was sort of tied up, like all the threads were there. So it, was, it wasn't it was just like, oh, it's a twist for the sake of a twist. You know, it made, right. it made sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I also wanted to get your opinion on Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara's acting performances. I thought that they were pretty good and it was a lot of fun to see Daniel Craig play a role uh, so unlike James Bond, which is, were the movies that he was like knocking out left and right at this period of time uh, when, when this movie came out. And also Rooney Mara, she had just done like her small role in the social network. And she was almost like unrecognizable, like with all the piercings and the hair and, and just everything like, uh, and especially like with all the weight that she lost. So uh, I was curious to hear your opinions on the acting performances. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Craig was all right. Um, his him just being like i'm not gonna bother doing an accent was okay all right you know i can live with that mm-hmm. um but i you know the thing is i can't really think of who who else i would have put in that role that would have made sense mm-hmm. i'm sure there's somebody but i you know I, um there's there's something about daniel craig when compared to somebody like to stick with bonds like pierce brosnan where like I can't picture Pierce Brosnan doing a role like this. He doesn't like, he doesn't seem to have it in him to be like, I don't think anybody would buy him as like a disgraced anything. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> whereas, he's whereas just too handsome. Daniel, right. <laughs> he's just, he's too perfect. You know, whereas you look at somebody like Daniel Craig and you're like, he looks just like somebody that you could conceivably work with. Mm-hmm. Just like an incredibly handsome version of that. Sure. So you, you could see them, you, you, like you could see Daniel Craig and be like, that guy that I work with is a fucking moron. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah, he definitely co- uh, committed libel. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, like, he's sexy as fuck, but yeah, he definitely committed libel. Right, right. Um, you know, so I, he had that going for him. I thought the performance he did, you know, his performance was fine. I, I don't personally think it was anything to write home about necessarily, but it, it wasn't Sure. Bad. Yeah. Um, I think Rooney Mara was great. Mm-hmm. Um, she really... Like, the, the character of Elizabeth Salander is just like so complicated and so complex and, and i think that's that she, putting you know, it mildly yeah yeah that's putting it mildly um but i think that she did a very good job of sort of um showing vulnerability whereas also turning it around and like portraying that elizabeth is like antisocial and and you know has the sort of take no prisoner sort of attitude but um, you can tell that that's kind of more bravado in some ways. And, and I think she, uh, she, Rudy Mara did a great job, you know, moving kind of back and forth and walking that tightrope mm-hmm. uh, between the two. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I thought that her performance was awesome. Uh, she, she goes down in my history book as one of the most badass female characters, both in book and movie form. she, she's yeah she's awesome but man like she fucking she got the her new state appointed guardian uh she fucked his shit up uh literally (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert oh yes he did in fact get his shit pushed in yeah a lot uh that was an uncomfortable scene effective yes (laughs) right um they they were i can just imagine people like scrambling around with this book like oh we we gotta find a director for this we we gotta find a director and like david fincher just comes out of the shadows and he's like i direct this kind of madness did you not (laughs) did you not see me put gwyneth paltrow's head in a box (laughs) i did he did that he he did um uh last question just about trent reznor and Attic- atticus ross's soundtrack slash score uh how uh on a scale of nine to ten how awesome was it for you uh i, I don't know that i would call it awesome necessarily um <laughs> it was definitely effective mm-hmm. and the reason i would say is uh, that i don't think i would call it awesome is because it was also uncomfortable as shit yeah basically well, for the duration sure yeah which again that's not a knock that's very effective for the type of film it is mm-hmm. um it keeps you on the keeps you on your edge or excuse me it keeps you on the edge i should say um it it does a great job of adding tension without um becoming the focus of why there's tension right there's these low tones that you almost don't even register and, and i don't mean in the sense of like they're low on the you know like the the oral spectrum where you you have trouble hearing them like they're very clearly there you know they're there it's just um 
they're sort of so low and in the background that it's, it's mostly just like you feel this discomfort rather than like hear it. And they're like, Oh, that's weird and kind of gross to listen to. Like it just right. kind of keeps in and you're like, Ugh. you know, it just feels wrong somehow. Um, the sound design overall, which of course that is part of is super effective. There were multiple times where, um, there were sound effects and I was just like, Oh, fuck. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> um, just ugh, like I said, just kind of gross, uh, but effective. You know, again, gross isn't a knock. It, it's it's right. supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that kind of music is is kind of my jam, especially how it fits the story so well. So I was just curious to to hear your thoughts. But yeah, let's let's push forward, and I want to hear about uh, a few of your favorite parts or scenes from the movie. Uh, well, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to name a few of my favorite things as well as scenes. Um, like I said before, you can definitely tell that this is a David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that he basically told his uh, DP, he was like, there's not going to be any light in this film at all. None. <laughs> if you see the sun, I want it blacked out. <laughs> uh, which is funny story. That's why they film in Sweden, actually. It has nothing to do with the fact that the book is set there. Um there are a lot of great shots where he comes in over Elizabeth's head and then the camera inverts as she lights a cigarette. And that was fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert. When Daniel Craig's character Bloomquist is put in the, he has the plastic bag put over his head. They actually have a shot. That's like his POV and the cameras in the plastic bag. I was like, Fincher, you magnificent son of a bitch. <laughs> right. Uh, that was great. Yeah. And something that I think Fincher doesn't get enough credit for personally um, he has this great sense. He has a great feeling on what makes a scene tense and how to get the maximum amount of tension out of a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the the scene where Martin comes home and and Michael has been, you know, rummaging around for things and he catches him because Bloomquist slips and falls. Right. Uh, where he invites him in and there's that game of cat and mouse where like. Mikael knows, or at least is pretty confident that it's Martin. Um, and Martin is putting together and piecing together like, oh, he knows, you know, how much does he know? And then he's like kind of fucking with him like, oh, you know, here's a flashlight. And then he's like uh, talking about going hunting. He sees the gun. He notices the knife is missing. Just a right. f- phenomenal fucking scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then and one final little thing from that that I that I got a, a great piece of enjoyment out of, kind of perversely almost. Uh, in their original meeting where they're having dinner with uh, it's uh, Mikhail Martin and, and Martin's f- um, friend whose name escapes me, the, the uh, his, I, I don't think she's his, she's not his girlfriend, but maybe. Yeah, she, she's like a colleague of some sort that, that stops by whenever she's in town. They're basically... I think they're basically like professional fuck buddies. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's some, some. It, it's pretty well hinted at that there's an affair of sorts going on or that perhaps has gone on. But um, when they're having that dinner, you hear that, it sounds it's like a scream. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and he says, oh, uh, one of the windows must be open. You know, that's that's something that is really apparent throughout the whole film is the wind. Right. So when you first 
hear that, you think, oh, fuck, that was just a particularly nasty bit of wind. Uh, and then as they're in his basement later, he says, you know, there was a girl down here mm-hmm. uh, at that dinner. And I was like, oh, my God, that really was a fucking scream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was that was great. Right. Yeah, that was that was something else. All right. <laughs> hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a very good movie. Um, I have a lot of complicated feelings about David Fincher. I think that a lot of people overrate him for things that I don't really think that he deserves a lot of credit for um, because he's not like, um, he's not an auteur. You know, he's, he's very much a director. So he may have some changes to the story, but he doesn't write the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he gets a lot of credit for, for things like that, that he may not be as involved in. Whereas I think that a lot of other people are too dismissive of his skills as a director. Um, it, it's kind of for a certain segment of um, movie fans or, or, you know, uh, film buffs, it's, it's kind of in vogue to dismiss him as like the bro filmmaker. Right. Which I think is kind of dumb. Like if you've ever watched any of his movies, he's very clearly like, you know, fight club, he's satirizing that pretty harshly you know mm-hmm. um so i i, I don't know i don't want to get on a soapbox there but i, I think it's kind no of- no that no i i i pretty much understand where you're coming from like uh especially the 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 one half of it i i guess the maybe the overrating part it, it, it kind of reminds me of how how one could lend all the credit to Sam Mendes and f- either forget about or not know about Roger Deakins. Right. Like, like you, you, you're like, you're not going to have the same movie. Like, like Skyfall wouldn't be Skyfall if you didn't have Roger Deakins like as, as DP. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, I, I feel like that's kind of in the same ballpark as, uh, which what you were trying to say, I mean, maybe I'm putting words, words in your mouth um, or mis misunderstanding, but that's, that's kind of what, what it sounded like. So that, that definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. But uh, overall, I, 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 like I said, I definitely liked it. I don't think it's his best film by any stretch, but it's still pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Uh, very, very long. Uh, I, uh, I'm assuming that you, you blocked off a fair amount of time so you could watch this movie and, you know, like drink some water afterwards. Right. Um, well, I mean, it, you know, I like long movies, so it didn't, right. you know, I'm, I'm used to that. That didn't really bother me at all. I mean, it's definitely of a length where you need to, I don't want to say plan your day around it necessarily, but like for me, it's a movie that I would like to start earlier in the day rather than start it at like eight o'clock. And then I'm like, fuck, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm winding down right. and I'm still watching this, you know? Yeah. Um, but still a good movie. Still, mm-hmm. still recommended. Uh, not for the faint of heart. Definitely. But no, uh, good movie. Uh, this movie kind of came around before like trigger warnings were a thing. Like I remember, you know, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, like trigger warnings being becoming like a big thing. 
where all of a sudden we were becoming more aware, more cognizant of things in TV and movies on the internet, wherever where, you know, almost like spoiler alert, but you throw out like a trigger warning for, for people that have suffered, you know, severe circumstances that's where reading or viewing similar circumstances could be triggering. Um, yeah, this is a huge, this movie is a huge trigger warning just in it, in and of itself. Um, so if, um, yeah, if you've ever, if you haven't watched this movie, um, and not familiar with like, you know, some of the, some of the details, uh, yeah, just, just know that it, it deals with sexual assaults to a large extent, very large extent. So, so yeah, just, just know that going forward. Um, yeah. Uh, but Ted, I, I think, um, uh, do you, uh, we can, we can do shit that doesn't suck. Uh, if, uh, you want to, um, give any final thoughts to girl with a dragon tattoo or else we can, we can move on to our shit that doesn't suck. Uh, no, I mean, like I said, I liked it. I definitely think that, um, if you do intend to watch it, um, just, you know, like I said, it's, it's intense. Mm-hmm. That, that it is. Um, do, uh, do you have something lined up for your shit that didn't suck? Uh, give me two seconds and get something if you want to go ahead. Yeah, I can, I can go for it. All right. So for my shit that does not suck, I was finally, I finally took the jump to watch Ozark. I had just one too many people recommend it to me and I was like, fine, fuck it. Apparently there's something going on with the show that I just simply must see. So let's watch it. And let me tell you, I'm not disappointed. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. If you're a fan of Breaking Bad and or Better Call Saul, you and you haven't seen this show uh you'll probably like it if you are a fan of both those shows and you have seen ozark then you probably know exactly what i'm talking about the the tension is pretty similar um the color palette is quite different but yeah it's it's just a pretty good show and it makes a lot of sense for jason bateman to to play this character that's uh, you know, it's a very serious role and, you know, he, he typically up until this point has mostly played in, in a lot of comedies, but even in the comedies, he's still like the opposite of the comedic relief. Like he's, he's kind of like this serious person out of all the, the, the funny, funny friends, I guess. So to see him do like, a 100% serious role with a little bit of humor, just a tiny bit sprinkled in every now and then was, was interesting. It, it, it kind of took a minute to get my bearings, but yeah, like just uh, an episode or two. And like, I was, I was fucking hooked. So yeah, if, if you haven't seen Ozark yet, I definitely suggest you, you add it to your list. If you're into suspenseful dramas um, about money laundering, so yeah. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, suspenseful dramas about money laundering. That's a little bit specific. I think. I don't know how many? How many could there possibly be? But um, 
a lot on a narcos sure. isn't that a thing uh i don't think that's about money laundering but all right uh for my shit it doesn't suck i'm going to cheat i've been on a huge comics binge here recently um reading and rereading a bunch of stuff that i have either uh, in the case of the former wanted to read for a while and have never had a chance to uh or in the case of the latter rereading things that i have liked uh tremendously historically so um what i'm going to choose is kind of open-ended uh let's say but i mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast and i talked about the punisher max my shit that doesn't suck is just the max universe so to speak um it was marvel's uh, adult imprint i guess you might say although usually adult has some pretty specific sexual connotations uh where i I don't mean it like that just uh it's a more mature imprint so to speak so it's definitely got it ups the violence and ups the language and ups the you know things like that so it's it's basically the r-rated version of comics i guess you might say okay that's Uh, marvel comics that's good to know i i always saw the that big old max logo on some marvel comics and i was like i wonder what that's about yeah, it's it's basically like like I said, the, the R-rated version of uh, cool. of those characters. Good to know. Um, there's a lot of good books. There's some that aren't as good, um, but that that's with any you know any sort of comics. Um, particularly, like I said, I, I particularly enjoy the Punisher Max as well as uh, Garfinis also wrote a couple of runs of Nick Fury, which uh, is another great character. So if you can find any of them, because they're some of the Max books are a little older now. Um, they're getting a little harder to find, but if you can track any of them down, I definitely recommend it. Or if you have, um, you know, any of like the comics apps like Comixology, you can probably find some of them on there. Dope. Yeah, I, I know we were talking the other day uh, and well, basically about this like every day since like this past weekend when, when you pick those books up and you're like, this, this shit's fucking dope. And I'm like, ah, like I really uh, missed out on the opportunity to go to McKay's with you. Cause, you know, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I'm excited to get into some of those books. So whenever that happens, um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. If you have made it this far, congratulations, and I'm sorry, and uh, I appreciate you listening nonetheless. Uh, Both Ted and I appreciate you listening and being a fan of the podcast. Uh, If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, we would love for you to do so. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. We are there. Look us up on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Like Ted said at the very beginning, in the intro, we have our Facebook group. So if you would like to join that, you can just get on the old Facebook and search for Geek Garage group um, and, and you know send us a, an invite link and we'll, we'll hook you up. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess that'll, that'll do it. Um, like, Ted always says, do the movies thing. Movies, movies make life better. Um, uh, we, none of us can ever remember how the fucking saying goes. So we just say, do the movies thing. Isn't that right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, we are the banner men of professionalism around here. Let, let me tell you that. 
It's a podcast about stories for children. I feel like we can get away with that. You know what? I'm inclined to agree with you. And with that said, I appreciate all of you listening. Ted appreciates all, all of you listening. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Uh, real quick, before we get into that, some pre-roll, as I have forgotten to introduce my co-host David. He's in the background somewhere. <laughs> Wait, who, who's, who's this David that you speak of? I, uh, I don't know who this know, guy is. Uh, yeah. For the uh, events... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> for the events, fuck. <laughs> for the fuck events. <laughs> right. I pissed my pants at church. Or post-torture Jesus. <laughs> This song is called Bathe in the Blood of the Lamb. <laughs> right. Three days to Foxville. <laughs> <laughs>